Happy Sabbath, everyone, and Happy New Year. I'm so happy that you could join me for our first worship service in the year 2021. Today, I have the privilege to preach to you from a passage, from a text of Scripture, which is considered the greatest text in the entire Bible. It has been said that if this entire book from front to back were destroyed, all of it ripped to shreds or lost in a fire, all of it were destroyed except one verse of Scripture. Anyone, anywhere could have a good chance at eternal life by believing in this often quoted and cherished verse. It's nicknamed the gospel in a nutshell. And I want to read it to you. It's found in the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16. I'm sure you're familiar with it. The Bible reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know the text well. Wherever you are, why don't you say it with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's the greatest verse in the entire Bible. It's the greatest text in all of Scripture. For in it we find God, who is the greatest lover, so loved, that is, to the greatest degree, the world, that is, the greatest number, that he gave, that is, the greatest act, his only begotten Son, that is, the greatest gift, that whosoever, that is the greatest invitation, believes, that is the greatest simplicity in him, that is the greatest person, will not perish, that is the greatest deliverance, but the greatest difference, have the greatest certainty, everlasting life, that is the greatest reward. But I'm guessing, as you sit here, or stand watching, that maybe you've heard that before. Maybe one day you were watching a football game and after the game, a guy came up on the camera and he had John 3.16 painted underneath his eyes. And he said to you in the camera, believe in Jesus and you will be saved. Perhaps you were driving to work one day and you saw a homeless guy with a cardboard sign and it said John 3.16 on it rolled down the window to give him some money. And he said to you, believe in Jesus and you will be saved. Maybe like me, you were up late one night at home watching some television and you saw an old elderly man come on the television screen and say, John 3.16, believe in Jesus and you will be saved. And maybe, like me, you've wondered this question, but you've been too embarrassed to ask, why would I need to believe in Jesus in order to be saved? And why, if I don't believe in Jesus, would I be lost? You've asked the question, why did God send Jesus? It's a fair question, and I'm here to help you understand it. In the beginning... God created mankind in utter perfection. Now, I know that some of you here who are listening to me 
uh, are PC lovers, Windows lovers, but I'm a Mac guy, so bear with me that today this laptop, this Mac computer, is an illustration of utter perfection. God created mankind in utter perfection. And for whatever reason, I wouldn't be able to explain all the rationale behind it this morning. Adam and Eve, they decided to live outside of the perfection that God created them to live in. And they did this by taking a bite out of a piece of fruit. You get it? A bite out of a piece of fruit? Adam and Eve, they decided to do something called sin. You might be used to calling sin by other names. Immoral, unethical, evil, renegade, hate-filled, selfish, prideful. All these words encompass what sin is. Adam and Eve, they decided to disobey God. They decided to sin, and they decided to disconnect themselves from the source of all life, from the source of all power, from the source of everything. Like a laptop that's disconnected from its battery. And when they did this, their battery began to drain. And eventually, they died. And now every single person born from Adam and Eve, they were born with this predisposition to sin. Psalms 51 says that we were conceived and shaped in iniquity. That each of us were born with this innate desire to do wrong. But the good news is, is that because we were created in the image of God, and because God the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, we still are able to recognize sin for what it is. Uh, if you can see my boxes here this morning, these boxes represent sin. So when we see someone lie, we say, hey, look, there's sin. There it is. When we see someone steal, we say, hey, look, there's sin. There it is. When we see those who are powerful oppress those who are not, we see, hey, look, there's sin. There it is. When we see husbands cheat on their wives or families break apart because of sin and neglect, we say, hey, look, there's sin. There it is. There's something wrong with this. You know, uh, as a pastor, I've had the opportunity to move quite a bit. Uh, I counted recently. I've moved seven houses in the last 10 years. Uh, so every time uh, I see boxes like this, they remind me of separation, uh, the separation of sin. Isaiah 59 says that our sins, our iniquities, they have separated us from God. So when we sin, there's a deceptive nature about it because even though we can see it in other people, we can't really see it in ourselves. So when we decide to lie, 
to get ahead. We say, oh, you know what? It's just a white lie. It doesn't hurt anyone. Uh, when we decide to steal or cheat, we say, you know what? That's not going to hurt anyone. They're rich anyway. That's not a problem. I like this box that I just picked up because uh, some of these boxes say fragile on it. Uh, we pick up sins and we say, hey, it's fragile. I can, I can quit anytime I want. But what we don't realize is that we build this wall of separation between God the Father. And when we get to the heart of the matter and we indulge in our lust, in our greed, in our selfishness, in our pride, and we begin to think that this world is just about us and just about me and just about my wants, what we do is we build this separation between us and God the Father. And sometimes we've been in our sin for so long that we can't see God anymore. We forget what he actually looks like. And we actually begin to believe that our, what are in these boxes is what God is really like. That's what sin does. It disconnects us from God. It separates us from God. You know, as a... Uh, professional, one of the joys in my line of work is that I get to travel uh, in a car a lot. Uh, I get to drive to and fro to go to people's houses. It's something that I really like to do. Uh, and one of the issues I've ran into uh, is that I collect um, a lot of these. This is a a ticket. Uh, I get myself into a lot of trouble, actually. Uh, sometimes when the speed limit says uh, 50, I get a little confused between miles per hour and kilometers, and I might go a little bit further uh, and faster than uh, many of you. Now, I didn't know this, but uh, in Canada, I don't know how it is here in Maryland, but in Canada, it's actually illegal to eat while you're driving. They call that distracted driving. I didn't know that. I love to eat when I drive. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I'm a little ridiculous with it. I'll get a whole plate uh, on the passenger seat and another plate with like condiments on it and I'll eat and I drive. I didn't know that, but I got a ticket for that. <laughs> uh, sometimes when you're going through an intersection, uh, the light isn't green and it isn't yellow but I still find myself going through it, I've gotten a ticket for that. Uh, sometimes I'll actually text and drive uh, at the same time. And I know what you're thinking, that's dangerous. It is, but I know you do it too, so don't judge me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've gotten a ticket for that. Um, and you know, as I've gotten older, I've gotten a little more careful because I have my kids in the back with me. But every time... I get pulled over by a cop, I don't pretend. I don't act like I didn't do anything wrong. I know that I've broken the law and I deserve the ticket. And I hope this morning you realize I'm not really talking about tickets. Um, because if God were to pull up our traffic list, 
and see the records of all the wrongs that we've done, it would read what Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. Over and over and over again, the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. But the reason I became a pastor and the reason I'm here with you today is that I found the answer to the question for why God sent Jesus. It's an answer to a question that I'm so happy to share with you. It's more than appropriate for the new year. You see, God found a way where there was no other way. God found a means to counteract the pain and the penalty of sin. God found what I like to call a loophole. You know what a loophole is, right? It's a weakness in the law that can be exploited. God found a loophole. You see, the law permitted that since God created us, he could take the responsibility for his creation upon himself. God didn't have to. God wasn't required to. But God so loved you that he could not let you die in sin with no hope. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. That word for love is agape, unconditional, unreserved, undeserved love. And that he wanted to give you a chance to be free from the pain and the penalty of sin and to take that upon himself. And so God decided to move with compassion. He decided to take a heroic act, and he did something that only God could do. He decided to make himself a man. He allowed himself to be born of a virgin named Mary, and he walked this earth for more than 30 years free from sin. Everything that you've struggled with, every temptation that's overcame you, he passed by. The devil, for over 30 years, threw every assault at him. And yet Jesus walked this earth free from sin. But the Bible says that Jesus did so much more than that. He lived his life for the good of others. He fed the, the, hung, he fed the hungry. He healed the sick. He spent time with those in society who are rejected, and neglected by the rest of us. Jesus came to this earth to show us what God is really like. And then, as God in flesh, Jesus took the shame of sin when he allowed weaker mortal men to beat him. Jesus chose to experience the humiliation of sin when he permitted soldiers to strip him naked and command him to carry a heavy cross along a dirty road. Jesus didn't have to, but he chose to experience the pain of sin when he allowed long, rusty nails to be hammered through his hands. 
and his feet. Jesus did not have to, but he chose to experience the separation of sin. When from 9 a.m. in the morning till 3 p.m. in the afternoon, the sins of the entire world, from the end of time to the beginning of time, were placed upon his very soul. Your sin that you commit when no one is watching. My sin that I commit that I think aren't a big deal. They were put on Jesus as it caused separation between him and God the Father. Jesus did not have to, but he chose to experience the penalty of sin when on that cross so long ago he cried out with his dying words, it is finished. Why God? Why did you allow yourself to take the shame, the humiliation, the pain, the separation, the penalty that we deserve? The answer is simple. For God so loved the world. And God saw how difficult your life would be. He looked through the corridors of time and he saw how hard your life would be. And so he came to reconnect you to the source of all power and the source of all life. And that instead of living a lifeless, dead existence, you could live life and you could live it abundantly in Jesus Christ. Why God? Why did you send Jesus? Because he was sick of the separation. And he knew that you wouldn't have the power to remove the sin in your life. So he came so that if you wanted to, if you chose to, you could be free from the power of sin in your life. He was sick of the separation, so he came to remove the sin that stops you and I from having a good relationship with him. Why God? Why did you send Jesus? Well, because we have a ticket. Remember? And on the ticket, it says that the wages of sin is death. But Jesus came to rip up the ticket. And in its place, we don't get death, but we get the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, it was in the early 2000s when a devastating earthquake uh, struck the southern region of China. 
And during this aftermath of the earthquake, they sent rescue workers to the scene just to see if they could save anybody. So a crew of rescue workers were sent out and they uncovered a collapsed building, but through the collapsed building, they could see a woman. It was already too late, she had already died. But as you look through the debris and through the wreckage, you could see the position in which the woman had died. She was on her knees. She was bent over on her hands, kind of like the way people used to pray in the olden days. Uh, one of the rescue workers got a little bit closer just to make sure that what they had thought about her passing was true. So he took his baton and he started to hit it on the bricks. Hey! Is anyone down there? Can anyone hear me? There was no response. He wanted to make sure that she was gone, so he took his hand and through the debris and through the wreckage, he reached his hand down to where the woman's back was and he touched her back. It was too late. She had died. But for whatever reason, this crew member decided to keep moving his hand lower, of the, well, lower underneath the woman. And he thought he felt something. He called back to the other workers, hey, come back, come quick. I think I found something. I think someone's alive down here. The other rescue workers came and they removed all the concrete, all the bricks, all the drywall, all the stones. And from underneath where the woman was uh, kneeling, from underneath her stomach, they retrieved an eight-month baby boy. He was wrapped in a red blanket with a yellow floral pattern around it. And everyone who saw this beautiful baby boy was so happy because they had saved a life. And then among the workers, there was a doctor who had to inspect the boy. He did what doctors have to do, and so he started to unwrap the blanket from around the child. And as he did that, a cell phone dropped to the ground. The doctor picked up the cell phone. He turned on the screen. And on the screen was a message. It read this. My child, if you are able to survive this, I need you to know one thing, that I love you. And that doctor, who had seen so many births and so many deaths, began to cry. And everyone who read the message, everyone who read the message couldn't help but shed some tears. Friends, 2,000 years ago, our Creator and our Redeemer bent down to take the blow 
for us. The Bible says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Yes, Jesus did die 2,000 years ago, but when he resurrected, he left a message. My child, I love you. My child, you mean all the world to me. You know, it's the year 2021 now, and we're given a fresh start to have a new life. I want to appeal to you wherever you're sitting right now to choose to begin this new year by prioritizing the love of God in your life. You might have messed up in the year 2020. You might have dealt with a lot of junk. You don't have to bring it into the new year. You can leave it behind. You can put Jesus first and you can give him a chance for his love to change your life. I wanna give you that opportunity as we close. Wouldn't you like to accept Jesus' love in your life? Wherever you are, wherever you're listening, I just want to encourage you to raise your hand right now as a way of saying, Jesus, thank you for your love. I love you too. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful new year.